Go Deep. Welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. You can find us on most forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also reach out to the cast, T.O. Big Show, Lord Fawn, Motorsports Mofo, Sturzy, Big Mikey, Astra Moon, and Sassy K. Thank you for your support, and remember, always go deep. All right, folks, welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. I'm John Nothing Doe. Folks, just a friendly reminder, we have our store open and ready for you to purchase all our fabulous gear. You can find us on teespring.com, look up GDP Go Deep, the podcast, and Redbubble, and you can find your sweatshirt, your zip-up sweat hoodie, your regular hoodie, your premium hoodie, your premium t-shirt. Hell, we got everything but a pair of underwear for MoFo with his uh, face on the front of your pecker. <laughs> and with that being said, MoFo, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, yeah, I could have saved that one. <laughs> I just figured you wanted your face on the front of somebody's uh, pecker. <laughs> Especially after the little trickle in the pants. That's, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully the wet spot's not around your mouth. But anyways, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> so NASCAR. Uh, I know that we're not talking about NASCAR today, but can you give me a quick update? I know that uh, before we go too deep on that, we got Haley Deegan that got herself a full-time ride. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so she's uh, she picked up a full-time ride in the truck series. So that'll be for 2021. So that's promising and uh, good honor. I mean, she's, she finished, I think, 16th there in Kansas, um, you know, in her first ever truck start. So really pleased for her. I know we have uh, discussed her in a, our previous podcast, talk about motorsports and women that are within the motorsports community. Uh, Which is very important. Previously. Oh, yeah. And I mean, she's definitely a, a strong up-and-comer. I think she's going to bring a lot of competition and hopefully uh, a, another group of fan base uh, to the sport. And uh, hats off, obviously, to anyone that watched uh, Joey Logano uh, taking the win there in uh, Kansas as well and uh, punching his uh, ticket to the uh, final four. So, yeah, great Easy. racing. Hats off to Joey. Really uh, threw the block there on Harvick towards the end. Yeah, we'll see. I was going to say, how many more races do we have? Oh, they're definitely ticking down. One is off the top of my head. I think we're down to two. We're down, I think, three more. Woo! So it's getting down. Astro Moon is definitely, I've got a contact because Hamlin ended up tagging the wall yesterday in Harvick. I mean, he didn't pull off the win, but uh, he showed some strong dominance. So her reading is maybe coming into fruition now. We'll see. Well, um, we might so, have yeah. to get her on the show again to see what the final two races look like or the final few races, rather. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, today we're, we're definitely going to be, uh, we're gonna we'll be... Be back to the NASCAR stuff. But yeah, today we're definitely going into some fall and uh, that yes. brings with us fall maintenance. Yes, and that also brings us a special guest we have tony and i'm gonna call him tony the maintenance guy welcome to the show buddy thanks for having me guys so tony welcome tony thank you yeah you're uh you're a maintenance uh specialist the way i understand it mofo is a good friend of yours and he told me that you come by high recommendation i like to think so i've got a pretty good well my business has a pretty good rating uh on google and various uh review apps been doing this since i was 16 so it's about uh, 24 years now in the industry i think i know what i'm going to so your ears are not wet is what you're basically telling us. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> they're, they're not, no. All right, so like we just finished saying, it is fall. We got to get our shit together because winter's coming before you know it. What are some of the things that you would suggest us do as non-car guys? Like I know not MoFo, I'm talking about more like myself or Asher Moon or Sassy K. What should we be doing right now to prepare ourselves for winter? Well, I like to start off with the battery. I think that's one of the first things that as the temperatures start to get cold, it's one of the first things you might start to notice. 
um, whether or not you have a hard time starting your car, you know, things along that, you're, you know, the first time you need to use those the booster pack or the booster cables or, you know, you're stuck at the gas station and you have to, to bug that person next to you to, uh, you know, use their car to get a boost. So we want to try to prevent those situations from happening, especially on a cold day where it's minus 20 outside. So you want to check the, the, the batteries. Um, obviously, it's voltage. I think that's pretty simple because if the car doesn't have enough voltage in the battery, the car just won't start simply. So that's obviously a given. You'll just make that uh, clicking sound, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, sounds like it's happened before. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always an embarrassing moment, of course, right? Especially um, during COVID times, like who wants to give a boost to someone? And it's like everyone's going to be treating you like you got the uh, stink eye there. Yeah, or they're going to want to put uh, the cables on one half of um, Mofo's pecker and the other half on his ear. Oh wow! <laughs> Supercharge him. I don't know how it's going to work, but. Um, you're going to want to at least check uh, the battery's cold cranking amps, the CCAs. Those are relative numbers that matter uh, when starting the car during the colder ones, uh, colder months. Okay. So, you you know, a battery will have typically a rating on it. It'll tell you something like uh, 500, 600, 700 cold crank, cranking amps, for example. We've been taught that uh, generally anything with less than half of that number posted on the battery is when you start to getting into that danger zone. Uh, you know, anything probably less than 100 to 200 cold cranking amps, you're probably going to want to start shopping around for a new battery shortly because uh, you probably don't have too many more starts on that battery. And here's a, um, here's a quick one for you guys. Just in case you guys aren't aware, if you had a CAA membership, you actually get a battery delivered to you and it's a little bit cheaper than if you go to a store but i don't know how well that works for you guys hmm. i didn't know you're still left on the discount. you're still left though like sitting there i think it comes back to preventative maintenance like tony's saying if you already know like or if you're in you know getting your vehicle service and you find hey like the amps are down you're being told the cold cranking amps are down from where it should be you know it, it's time probably to deal with it versus sitting there in january minus 20 God love them, but waiting for CAA to show up. Oh, 100%. I'm just saying, if you're a guy like me that always leaves everything to the last minute because you got some yeah. things going, then uh, this might be a good option for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in John Doe's situation, I think what happens to a lot of people is we end up leaving like the interior dome lights on or the lights on or like the cigarette lighter for uh, your phone plugged in. And, and next thing you know, you wake up to a dead battery, right? Yes. So, that's that's where CAA comes in handy. Hundred percent, and they give you deals at Swiss yeah. LA. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Great right. anniversary dinner. Yeah, I got you some rotisserie chicken, baby. Don't worry, I even got the yeah. fries. <laughs> Extra dipping sauce too. Yeah. Oh, so I'll lead my way out the door. <laughs> hey, did you want spring rolls too? I heard they make them good. But you want to, but you want to make sure that, like, you know, okay, not only is the battery in good shape, uh, obviously not leaking, things like that. You want to make sure that you have a set of probably booster cables in the car, or at least like your own backup battery packs, like a, a lot of times you, know, you can find at uh, the good old Canadian Tire and such. Okay. Not only are we speaking about batteries, but tires. And I had a quick question there for you, Tony. So okay. I got a light F, uh, light truck, an F one fifty. Because uh, that's the cool thing to do. Oh, that's what all the, the cool rich people are doing. And I want to buy tires. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in uh, winter tires. But I also seen these uh, mudder tires that have very thick tread. And even, I'll be honest, even Canadian Tires website considers them all season, but it also considers them like winter tires. What is your recommendation on those types of tires? I think it's uh, region specific because if you are fairly far up north, where you might not even have roads that are plowed or even have like asphalt on them yeah 
um, you're going to need a thick, knobby tire to kind of weigh yourself through that snow, right? But the, I guess the downfall is that they have terrible traction on um, ice. So they say with a typical rubber or compound or formulation uh, on an all-season tire, would be good up until about six degrees. Six degrees. We're talking about Celsius here. So after about six degrees, they, they essentially become hard bits of plastic. Yeah. They don't have very much stickiness to them anymore. Whereas uh, an actual winter tire with a snowflake on the side that has that certification, they are, I think, up until minus 20 or minus 30, they'll remain pliable. They'll, they'll remain sticky. Then they won't be just become a hard block of plastic. So Okay, so that's um, very important to know. Yeah, anything, I think, uh, as soon as you start getting you know closer to the city or closer to warmer weather, or if you're just driving on roads all the time, you're going to probably want to stick with something uh, that actually has that snowflake certification on the side, something that'll be pliable uh, during the, the really deep, cold winter months. I think oh. the biggest thing, like just with any piece of equipment, tires, or I mean, any piece of equipment, is you really got to have a good talk with yourself in terms of what do you plan to do with that that component? Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, tires. What do you plan to do with these tires? What are you expecting out of them, right? You know, and yeah. if you're just someone that, you know, wants to have that good look, tire that image of a lifted truck or you know a lot of big lug tire um that's fine but just don't necessarily then expect miracles out of it either when it's minus 30 and the thing isn't quite gripping the way you're hoping but yeah. um you know, i was just gonna say i think ultimately you get what you pay for and when it comes to tires i, I think it's something that in one hand I, I always am a firm believer that you know even the, the the crappiest winter tire is going to be better than just generally speaking all season but i'm a firm believer that you know, tires are the only safety device people forget that actually contact the road. You can have ABS and airbag, you know, all the all the bells and whistles, but the tires are the only thing that actively contact the roadway. And I think that's something where, you know, you don't cheap out on A, and then B, you make sure you have a proper tire that is constructed for the atmosphere, or as Tony had mentioned, the the region that you will be driving in. Well, that makes sense. Well, that? I mean, you, just, you don't want to try and cheat out on something like that, and then next thing you know, you're you're stuck on a patch of ice one meter by one meter, right? Or uh, And the reason I say this, I mean, I remember having back in the day a pickup truck, and it was an open carrier diff, so partially that that's partially my fault. I had like a decent, but not by any means like the best or the greatest winter tire on, and this winter tire wasn't just getting, it was spinning on the, the one wheel that would spin was on the, the ice. And the other one, well, it wouldn't go anywhere just because it was an open carrier diff. You know, had that tire that was spinning, maybe it had been a little softer compound or maybe a little bit better for the ice and snow versus just like I said, a head on time, a half-ass winter tire. That might have been the difference of me trying to get out there and push the damn thing and it being able to actually just drive off of the ice for me. So I think when it comes to tires, I think Tony's right, and that you definitely have to factor in what regions you're going to be driving in and what you're expecting out of that tire. 100%. I think what what I was going to say to also add to that is I feel like for some reason when you have like a really decent all-season tire that's also considered rated for winter, like the one I was talking about, I think because it says winter tire. But anyways, I, I looked up all-season. This came up with using a truck with 4 by 4 does that give me any added bonuses? Because I'd noticed I've, I had a crappy pair of tires that were actually just regular all seasons, and I've been using them for four years, even in the snow. 
and I've had no issue as soon as I turn the 4x4, other than obviously you can't really do a hard turn or nothing stupid like that or drive aggressively. What's your uh, thinking good. on anybody that's that wants to use the 4x4? That's been your saving grace. That's probably the only thing that's been getting you through the snow, right? I mean, so if you're you know from a dead stop and you need to get somewhere or you need to cut through the snow, that's going to certainly help. And probably the weight of the vehicle pushing down on those tires is what's helping you get through it. But yeah. at the end of the day, we gotta, you got to stop three, four, five thousand pounds. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with those types of tires, you're most likely just sliding, right? Um, I was just going to say, mean, like, do it in a controlled environment to anyone listening or to yourself. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like, no, because you, you won't know until, until, you, until you've actually tried it, right? But go out into a mall. Don't go into a do it in a wide open space. I'll phrase it that way. I've done that at a Walmart, by the way. And in a little go into a wide open space, though. So, no, but seriously, you'll see what the vehicle does, guys and girls. Like, so go into a wide open space where it is not going to hurt anyone. Take it up a few kilometers and immediately jam up the brakes, lock them up, and see how the, the stopping distance goes or how the vehicle reacts. Does it kick a little around in the back? Does the, the front nose dive left or right? And just feel that experience. So that at least if you do find yourself in that, you know, condition, you already know what your vehicle will or will not do, but I, I would damn near guarantee you those, a proper winter tire is going to stop you a, a lot smoother, a lot quicker, and it's going to be a lot more controlled. But that, that's just my opinion. That, that's so funny you say that because when um, when my sister was younger and we, and we were teaching her, you know, how to drive and whatnot, that was one of the first things we did was like, you know, take it to that big open parking lot. It's big snowy, you know, just give it some gas and, and hammer on the brakes and see what the car does. So you get used to driving in that uh, that snowy weather whatnot. Now, us young boys, we were always just going around and doing that. We're, I guess my sister was lucky that she had somebody to take her out and do that. But us young boys, when we're growing up and we get our license, we're going around doing donuts and parking lots anyways, right? We <laughs> parents doing that. So. <laughs> I love Walmart but, parking uh, lots. <laughs> but those those light poles just pop out of nowhere sometimes, right? You watch out for those. Yeah, what's um, that doing there? Who put that? Who <laughs> put that there? Right. Bricks. Um, to touch back on tires, guys. Uh, make sure that the tires are inflated properly. That uh, you know to the manufacturer's specifications. That's going to guarantee a proper contact patch on the actual asphalt. You know, if you have a tire that might be overinflated, underinflated. Overinflated, you might have just portions of the middle of the tire touching the road. An underinflated tire might have portions of just the outside tread of the tire touching the road. You want to have that perfect balance with the manufacturers figured out so that you've got the best contact patch on the road. Um, so obviously checking tire pressure, you know, along those lines. We were talking also as well is that if you're not going to go with winter tires this season to at least get a tire rotation of some sort you want to have uh you know the tire with the most tread on the wheels that are you know doing the steering and doing the braking absolutely Um, you want to make sure that those are on the the right corner of your vehicle uh another thing as you were talking about big knobby tires yep they are kind of Depending on the weight of the vehicle, they're actually probably less easier to cut through snow than a skinnier tire would be. I think an actual skinnier tire will be able to cut through your your big, thick, deep snow much more, uh, like better, better than a uh, than a than a, a wide tire would. A wide tire might tend to try to go over the snow more, or, and also push the snow more than a skinnier tire could cut through. Hmm. Well, wider tire might not necessarily be the best for plowing through the snow in, in Canadian weather. So oh, I've heard that actually too from the tire shops too. They've said the same mm-hmm. sentiment: like a narrower tire will will just cut through a lot smoother. And you think, I mean, it's a tire's a tire, right? And 
I know for myself, like on track, you use you want like you know for drag racing, you want a little bit wider tire for a bigger contact patch. But mm-hmm. as Tony mentioned, when you're cutting through that snow, you you know you're already going or you're facing a resistance, so you can trim that down a little bit and help it actually cut through, and uh, it's obviously going to benefit you. And to the the point about having the best tires, um, to the steering axle, I remember years ago people trying to say, well. You want your best tires where where your drive tires are. Well, that's fantastic. But you know, when you blow out a steering tire and you lose your steering, let me know how that works for you. So, um, I think <laughs> yeah. that was a great point that Tony brought up about you know making sure guys and girls that you do have your best tires to the front. And I mean, I would say that would be the same sentiment for me personally. Like in the summer, I'm gonna have my best summer tires to the front of the vehicle, and likewise in the winter, I'm gonna have my best winter tires if I'm you know had to replace two and two at some point but well uh, i definitely like my summer tires bald and i like (laughs) i like my winter tires (laughs) nubby (laughs) the opposite yeah (laughs) we're talking tires here boys calm down here mofo yeah i am i'm ready oh geez all right so let's move on to the next one because tires are obviously very important i'm very glad you guys took the time to talk about tires with me because i'm very ignorant when it comes to tires clearly okay so oil changes are you saying that you we should get oil changes before uh the season even if we're not actually supposed to have one well you, you want to do it before the, you know you start getting into that colder weather you don't want to be stuck uh, again uh, on a cold winter's day when you've uh, you might have your old thick maybe even summer viscosity oil in there um cold weather will make your oil go thick and then, therefore, the various parts of the engine that now need to flow and cut through said thick oil are going to have a harder time, right? So if you if you got the proper viscosity of oil in there, usually a thinner oil for the winter time, uh, your engine's going to have just an easier time to uh, start and actually cut through that oil. Uh, as well as the um, because it's so thick that the oil when it has to reach the top portions of the engine. You remember when you start your car, yep. all the oil is sitting in the oil pan, and then now you have various parts of the valve train on top of the engine that are going to need to have oil. Um, but if that oil is too thick, it's going to have uh, it's going to be slower getting to those uh, vital engine parts. So I think they say something like the majority of engine wear happens when you start your car, and that's because the whole top portion of the engine doesn't have any oil on it lubricating parts. So you're going to get a lot of metal-to-metal contact and things wearing down. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if, you, if you've got the proper uh, viscosity and you've got the, hopefully the right synthetic in there, it's going to flow to the top of the engine quicker. Yeah. It's just going to help you obviously start easier and help, uh, you know, prevent wear and tear on the engine. So You'll no, often hear, like, especially in some of the old, I say older vehicles, even listen to something, I mean, as an example, five, six years old, mm-hmm. but you listen to it, especially in the wintertime or colder weather, you listen to it, and it'll start up and if you listen very carefully or if you have a trained ear i'm sure like tony would um you can instantly especially in the cold weather hear like the lifters and the rockers click 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 yeah just for the first you know 20 seconds 15 seconds and then usually by then oil pressure is well built up and it's gone but it's a prime example as to what tony is mentioning just about and i've heard it too like i think it's they say in the first like 20 or 30 seconds is when the engine typically sustained its most amount of wear. Now, oh, yeah. they, they've obviously come a long way from, you know, back in the, you know, the 50s and 60s in, in terms of oiling systems and getting that oil shoved up all the way to the top of the engine. And, I mean, I know there's probably listeners out there that, you know, well, I drive a Subaru. 
or, you know, I drive, you know, a rotary or an inline, you know, there's all different oiling systems for all different sort of vehicles, obviously. But the point of the matter is, is that, you know, you want to get that engine and oil flowing either, you know, in a Subaru case, right out to the outside banks where all the valve train is, or in a V8, you know, Ford, Chev, Dodge, you want it all the way to the top. So you just want to get that oil flowing as quickly as possible. And the best way that you can do that is, as Tony said, is, you know, going to uh, the proper weight and viscosity of oil when it comes into the winter or colder months. I was just going to say, to touch up on that, I mean, uh, not only oil change, but just proper tune-up on the vehicle. Uh, again, you're stuck on, a, you know, on your driveway or out in the country somewhere on a you know, negative 30, negative 20 day. You want to make sure that all systems, not only your oil system, are, are working great. So things like, uh, you know, a tune-up, you know, uh, things that are going to help your car start easier. I even feel like uh, if you've got a dirty air filter inside there, the engine's struggling to get air, the engine's going to struggle to start, right? So you're going to want to make things like your spark plugs, your ignition system, your fuel filter, your air filter are all... I guess, you know, relatively recently serviced and whatnot, or with, at least within the manufacturer's specs. So so that way, when it comes time for you to rely on all those other things, like the battery's, you know, good and the oil's good, that everything else uh, works in conjunction and starts up and gives you that general easy start. You know, Tony, in your in your professional experience over the years, um, especially with the, the new cars, I mean, they've got these monster-sized air boxes. And for anyone that's not sure what, like, an air box is basically where your air filter would sit into guys and girls, you know, on some of the performance aftermarket stuff. We'll have the air filter just out in the open trying to grab the air as quick as it can. But on a lot of the OEM factory stuff, the air filter is tucked inside what we call an air box. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious that, uh, especially when you're checking the filters at any time of the year, are you discovering or is it a common thing that you're seeing, like, mouse nests or... Critters that try to get up there. No, but I mean, you hear of it too, right? And if oh, the yeah. average customer is not even thinking about that or aware of it, I mean, I just wanted to note, like, it is something to be aware of. And I'm just curious, do you oh, see yeah. much of that? Critters, oh yeah, critters love to make their, their homes and their nests and your in your airbox and inside your engine compartment, you got to remember it's nice and warm in there, and they're they're looking for that uh, that warmth. So, and I think they can even eat various parts of the air filter, right? It's essentially just paper, right? So, if you're a hungry little mouse or a hungry little squirrel or something like that, uh, if you're looking for your next meal, it's going to be your air filter. So, oh yeah, there's there's been numerous times where we've opened up hoods and we've seen nests built right on top of engines, nests inside of uh, air filters. Uh, we find all kinds of dead animals uh, inside of inside of engine air boxes and inside of engine bays. So yeah, just delicious. Just ahead of the U.S. Thanksgiving too. Who wants fried uh, fried squirrel? I'll take it a rat's tail if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, I'll pass it over. Hold on a minute. So here's another question I got for you guys. So I have an older uh, Elantra. And it comes with a body that doesn't require any uh, lubing nipples and stuff of that sort. What should I be doing with this car to make sure that, you know, it's in its shape to be able to take the pressure of jumping up and down snowbanks? <laughs> Duke's a hazard, I see there. <laughs> no, no, no. Just uh, they don't plow very well in Toronto, so I got to be prepared. I see. Well, Tony, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're talking about like suspension components. You want to make sure... Um, I guess you can take it into a front end specialist and you want to make sure things like your tie rods, uh, ball joints, um, are all up to snuff. You don't want to be losing a ball joint after, you know, you know, sending your car off of a nice 
snowbank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you don't want to be losing a tie rod. Tie rod is what connects your, your essentially your steering rack to uh, to your wheels. So if one of those goes or whatnot, you're not steering anything. Your tire's turning That's sideways on you, is it? That's right. It'll turn in or out. I mean, with that too, you can also then end up taking out like an axle boot or an axle completely. And you start, the irony of it is, is I'm, I'm ballparking this price. So don't, don't give me a bunch of flack about uh, feedback. Let's say the the tie rod end though, uh, an outer tie rod end is between forty and sixty bucks, and an hour yeah. to replace. And you're like, yep. oh, I'm just trying to get around, having to pay the the labor and this and that. I'll, I'll try and push through the season. You know, well, next thing, boom, that tie rod end lets go, and you got your, you know, the missus next to you, and she's bitching and moaning you're in your ear. And now you're also thinking, well, there goes the tie rod end. I've also just broken an axle, and you've just yeah. tripled up the prices. Then compared to it as if you had just fixed it in the first place. So I'll be coming to your speaking. garage very soon to get those both uh, tied up real nicely. <laughs> I'll make sure the lights are out and I'm gone. But uh, <laughs> I'll bring the true gear. story, I'll though, is that I was just putting my, my uh, father-in-law's tires on, uh, winter tires on, sorry, for him the other day. And if you're doing the tires yourself, guys and girls, I always make sure that you grab the top and the bottom of the tire and give it a shake back and forth. And you're looking for the tire to be good and tight, both top and bottom, or front to back like side to side motion and if you do experience wear and you're not sure or play and you're not sure what you're looking or feeling for as tony recommended or said definitely get it into a front end shop just to make sure everything is good and tight in my father-in-law's case that we found a passenger outer tie rod end was had excessive play every the other side you would expect oh must have been the same no the other side was good and tight this comes back to preventative maintenance so now he's aware of it and he's going to be uh dealing with that but you'd rather find out now than on a cold yeah. winter day or when the component has broken and then maybe you're either waiting for caa or you're waiting for that you know that vulture tow truck out there I'd love them. I mean, they, they, they are, they drive pretty recklessly mm-hmm. anyway, but no, you just, again, it comes back to preventative maintenance. We've, I think we've all seen somebody on the side of the road where one tire you can tell is just not connected to the vehicle anymore. The camber on it is, is really, really off. And that's most likely because the person's ball joints uh, had snapped. And again, you don't want that happening on a, on a cold winter's day. Right. Sorry. This is where the saying came. If it ain't tight, it ain't right. Right. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Hey, look at the butterfly. I, I think so. Yeah. I was just going to say, it used to, I remember in the trade, it used to be like the common thing that Hondas were notorious for lower ball joints. Yeah. But with all honesty, guys and girls, I mean, I've seen uh, Dodge Rams, you know, having their lower ball joint break. I, I've seen Chevs have their issues. I've seen, four, like, I, I think you, you've just got to assume that, hey, this is something that needs to be checked. And, I know that no one necessarily wants to go into a shop if they're not aware of what's going to be going on, but this is something where you need to take five minutes online, the power of Google, the power of YouTube, and educate yourself on how to check you know, front-end components. And it's something you can do with a floor jack in your garage in a matter of minutes. You do a check, and if everything feels good and tight, then okay. You, you, when you go in for your regular service, then they'll likely check it anyway. But if you do feel or experience some sort of play that you don't think should be there, that's when you're at a shop like Tony's or a shop of whoever that you deal with for your mechanical needs. Then that's where you would want to be uh, definitely having that discussion with them and saying, hey, like I'm, I'm having a concern here. What can you show me or tell me type thing? Uh, just about um, while you have the tires off, take a look at the brakes. You know, you want to make sure you got enough pad on there, enough rotor on there as well. Since you got the tire off, you're going to maybe make sure everything's uh, working properly and looking kosher on the new player. So excellent. So Absolutely. With, make sure uh, guys also check the calipers. 
grab a screwdriver, a pry bar, give those calipers just a little bit, and they, you'll see the sliders. You just want to make sure like that you're not getting heat spots on a caliper or on a rotor, sorry, from the caliper being seized. And especially if you've got new pads and rotors on there, you don't want to find that you're prematurely wearing those pads out. But definitely, as Tony mentioned, pads and rotors are are going to help stop you along with you those got, good winter tires. You got excessive amounts of rust on your on your uh, rotors. You notice that you, that means probably that your calipers are most likely seized and actually not grabbing the brakes anymore. So that rust that you're seeing is because there's no contact being made between the pad and the rotor. So it's just building up rust. It's just an exposed piece of metal. So huh. you're seeing that. Yeah, you definitely have a seized caliper. You want to get that service or replaced and uh, make sure you're, again, good for any type of long winter drives. Yeah, Absolutely. no kidding. With all this talk about ball joints, I guess one helpful way of remembering to, you know, get your ball joints checked is the fact that we're closely coming to November, which is also known as Movember. So get your ball joints checked, not just on your car, but on your personal <laughs> chastity. <laughs> I like it, yes. Good segue there. I'll give you that. <laughs> we'll probably do a, a podcast in Movember, just talking about men's health and getting people straightened up. I also know that, you know, when breast cancer comes up for the ladies, and stuff of women's stuff, women's uh, cancer, that Sassy K and uh, Asher Moon will be very interested in talking about that when their representative month comes out. But back to lubing and checking your ball joints. <laughs> Speaking of uh, lube, like the one, like my big thing, along with the things that we've listed, but I'm by no means a body man. I appreciate a nice body, but I am by no means a body man. We're talking about cars, and that right? Means yeah. Oh, well, keep your head straight there, John. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, by, by no means <clears throat> do I like to see rust, and I'm sure a lot of you car guys out there, that is, car guys is the proverbial, uh, or sorry, rust is the proverbial cancer for car guys. Yeah. And you don't want to see rust on your vehicle, your pride and joy, or just frankly, your daily driver. No one, uh, no one wants to see that. So oil spraying, getting your car undercoated and oil sprayed, for me, myself, is key. Um, something I rank pretty pretty up there on the the maintenance um the, the the one thing that i will point out is i think a lot of people assume okay it's it's november it's december but the snow hasn't quite flown yet i better get the family car in there get it oil sprayed and i mean that's better than in my opinion not oiling it at all not getting it sprayed however i always try to tell people you know get it in there in september type thing when the temperature's still warm um it will allow and help the oil to creep and if you're not sure what we're talking about, if you look at the back, like when I look at my tailgate of my Silverado, you can see the oils creeped up on the outside, you know, a couple of inches, right? Okay. So that is oil creeping up the panel from the, both the outside and then likewise it's doing it on the inside. But you're, you're basically worried about getting where the weld seams are or the folds within the, like, the bottom of your door where it's folded over the metal and then it's spot welded along. You're trying to get the oil you know, in there, and it's obviously going to still work its way in if you get it sprayed in the colder months. But if you can get that in there in, you know, September, October, and it's still a decent temperature, it'll really, really creep, and you will see a noticeable difference. But um, mm -hmm. to me, oil spraying is key. You're paying a lot of money for whatever vehicle it is you're driving. Even a used vehicle is still not cheap purchase. So right. I, I think that, you know, when you're, oh, 100%, I mean, the, one would argue it's a poor investment. But still, I mean, people need transportation. And now that we're dealing with the COVID stuff, a lot more people are turning away from, like, public transportation. They're going back to their cars because they want that, you know, just to feel safe and isolated. So, I mean, if you're going to be driving that vehicle more, you're going to want to protect it. And then that would, you know, getting that body oil sprayed and undercoated. You know, there's, yeah. there's tons of shops out there, guys and girls. 
I know who I use just because I, I feel the product they put on is damn near indestructible and thick. But, you know, jump on Google, jump on the various reviews and, and you know, you'll, you'll get a, a quick synopsis of, you know, who seems to get the better reviews and who doesn't. I'm not sure, Tony, if you want to add to the oil spraying thing, but for me, I think oil spraying is definitely important. Yeah, I think I think everybody has their opinion as to which brand and, and company works best, and I'm sure they'll all probably make their own claims. I think we can universally agree those those electronic ones. I'm a little bit uh, iffy on the ones that you know underneath the hood. They're uh, rust controlling by I hate the name names, but Simtech, for instance, is one that it connects to uh, various parts of the car, and that's supposed to create some type of, uh, I guess, force field on your car for rust. I haven't seen them working too well. Uh, oil spray seems to be the tried and true uh, method. We live in a, in a climate here where our government and our municipalities use salt uh, to, you know, get rid of the uh, ice and snow on our roads. And therefore, that's our car's metal's worst enemy. But again, you want to have this, I mean, it's top of mind now because it's, because it's fall. Um, that we want to get that done. But I mean, if you try to make an appointment with the rust proofing place at the moment, you might be looking at a, maybe a one to two week wait. Uh, ideally, if you can, if, if maybe the audience can set a reminder on their phone for springtime when the, when the rust proofing places are not busy because now it's not top of mind for them. Um, that's, that's probably actually the best time to do it. Uh, number one, you don't have to wait in line probably as much as uh, everybody getting done in the fall. Well, it's just better for it to cure. Better for it to cure during the warmer months than it is trying to cure with salt and ice and snow splashing on it all throughout the winter now. I used the time waiting at the rust check. I used that time to get away from my wife. (laughs) Wow, honestly, it's always the the best policy. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) uh, I'll presume the locks will be changed by the time I get home. Yeah, don't worry, I'll it's be like, sleeping Andrew, over it too. But it's like Mofo, you have to get it rust proof again. Like yeah. uh, three times this month, man. Well, I know, dear. What can I say? <laughs> They're backed up. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about the oil, the batteries, the tires, lube. What else should we be adding to this maintenance list, gentlemen? Okay, so while you're coming into my shop, let's start checking uh, also things like uh, your wiper blades. Um, you're going to want to make sure that those are in good shape. Oh boy, do you uh, ever not, <laughs> not chattering? Uh, not streaking on your windshield and making sure that your washer fluid is filled up and you, you got an extra jug in the car as well. So when you do need it, you got it. Let's say as well, um, light bulbs. You know, you want to make sure that all four corners of your car are lit so that not only, you know, so that way people can see you, especially if you're that guy who, uh, you know, didn't get his battery checked and you're now stuck in the side of the road. No names needed. You want to make, sh- <laughs> make sure that people can see you, right? So. I want to make sure that all those uh, all those lights are working well. So it's the um, four ways there. If you're maybe I don't know, happening running your buddy and uh, you gapple them, you want to be able to throw those four ways just so you can still see it, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. But no, Tony, right. Tony's definitely right about the brake. Think of it this way: how many rear end collisions um, come, especially in poor visibility weather? Um, now some are going to be because driver error in terms of either their speed or not giving proper base or gap wall in poor weather. But you have to think too, guys, if, if the car behind you has no idea that you were all of a sudden coming to a stop because you have no working brake lights, and I see this pretty commonly out on the roadways, you know, how the hell is Susie behind you going to know that you've come to a stop or you're not so much come to a stop, but are putting on the brakes if your lights aren't making her aware? 
So I definitely think Tony is, is bang on there. It's like that. You've got to have working lights. That'll, uh, yeah. that'll get you pulled over to for a, you know, a quick inspection, you know, either by the Ministry of uh, Transportation or even just a friendly police officer. And in some cases, will give you a warning. But other cases, you know, it could lead to a ticket. And or we're more. talking, you know, a couple of, or more an accident. Um, but when you're talking a couple of bucks for a bulb and, you know, a few minutes to change it, um, either yourself or at your local garage, I think the bulbs are, are definitely pretty important. So let me ask you there, Mofo. Where did Susie come from? I thought we had made a collective decision that Donna. we were all about Donna. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? Sorry, shout out to Donna. Yes. Uh, we hashtag still appreciate you. Yep, hashtag Donna for sure. <laughs> and uh, we we still appreciate, you, but Susie now is in the mix too. So I've also just changed my lights. I'll I'll get back to you in a second there, Tony, because I know you want to get in there. Yeah. So I just changed my lights. I feel like the LEDs are better for two reasons. They they supposedly last longer and they're brighter. What is your feeling on Correct. that? You're 100%, 100% right. Yeah, I think um, I have a friend who's, uh, who's a first responder, who's a paramedic, and they were talking about the study that he did uh, with the OPP. And not only do they come on quicker, they're more responsive. So they're actually going to come at their full brightness quicker than an, than an incandescent bulb that kind of... It's it's quick enough, but it can kind of slowly come up the brightness. Especially as it gets older. Yeah, uh, and yeah, for sure they they're definitely more reliable and they last longer. Um, I want to say as well, it might be a good idea if you're if you got an older vehicle and your headlights are faded, uh, you might want to go get them polished. I know Canadian Tire sells a like a headlight restoration kit. If you want okay. to do it yourself, or some some shops will actually do that for you. We'll sand that headlight housing for you, so that uh, you get a nice, you know, clear field of view. So that's a great idea. The point I just wanted to to bring, sorry, or touch on, I guess, while we're here, is I do have a couple of friends that have had older vehicles with the that headlight thing, and you know, if you had a vehicle in the, you know, since the horse and buggy all the way up until I guess about the early nineties, back then, like when the bulb would just burned out or whatever, it was different construction, but they would just change the bulb out fully. I'm talking about like the whole lens, everything. Yeah. Now with the modern day ones, they essentially you have to think of it this way that they are getting sandblasted from road grit and sand and everything else, the vehicle in front of you and eventually they, they build up a film or a haze and you don't realize it initially. But then all of a sudden you look at some like I remember as an example, some of the uh what is it, the cheap Cherokees or something like that, you would see it or like the Dodge uh, Durango. I mean every every manufacturer probably had to do it. I it just mm. those are the ones that come to mind. But I had a buddy though and uh, he went and got the kit from Canadian Tire, just like Tony had mentioned. And I think it took him about like an hour, hour and a half to do both sides. Like, I mean, he took them right out of the car and did it. That's the way he just wanted to do it. But I've seen people where they mask everything off and they just do it in, like while the light is still fixated to the vehicle. Honest to, like, it was well worth the money, well worth the time, well worth the money to do it after you know, when you're driving down a dark, uh, dark road or country lane type thing, that's when you'll really appreciate. You're not going to, you know, notice much of a difference maybe in uh, a well-lit city, but you start getting into the darker areas or into the suburbs type thing. That's where you'll you'll definitely see your investment given back to you. Those uh, are the kits just, with uh, the drill bit attachment, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. And then, sorry, I was just curious, Tony. The I've, I've heard with like the LED bulbs and that, but just, could you explain to people, if, you know, where they can maybe find them, and then, you know, are are they, in your opinion or knowledge, I should say, are they available for a lot of vehicles like on the aftermarket? Oh, for sure. I think your go-to place, though. Weird. I, there are, I don't think Canadian Tire sells those types of things. It's some of them more they so do. Gonna be your, yeah, some of them they do, but it's going to probably be more so your aftermarket performance place. So 
the places that you know you'll buy those uh, those uh, air intakes and, and such from uh, your rim shop. They, they'll probably carry them. Uh, I know in Toronto, I think we have one or two stores that specialize in just LED products, so you might be able to find them in a place like that. Otherwise, I think Amazon and and eBay are your friends for that. I know that's where I buy always always buy mine from. Nice, okay. and they ship it to your door too. Yeah, they ship it to your door, man. COVID free, COVID <laughs> kind. Just gotta love it. What else? Um, one thing I wanted uh, to yes. bring up was that um, for some of Andrew was just talking about rural people, right? So if you you know if you've got a large piece of property and you've got a long, long, windy driveway up into your home um, that is not well lit, uh, something like a light bar. I think a lot of people you see in a lot of pickup trucks, uh, people putting light bars on their vehicles. I'm just want to remind people now. You know, so that way you're, you know, driving down that snowy road of yours that you're like, oh, I wish I would have had a light bar. But, you know, something like that, add extra lighting uh, if you're if you're way up north. Well, now, now that you brought up the light bar, I have an interesting question. Where do you recommend them? Do you recommend putting one on the roof or do you recommend putting it right near where your headlights would be? I think it's it's um, situation dependent, right? It's It's what you're going for. I think the the people that put them on uh, those those racks that go on the, the truck bed, I think you're looking for more of a top down uh, view. So um, it's probably yeah, it's it's going to be situation dependent on what you're going for. Uh, some of, some people put them in the front grill. There's a lot of vehicles, a lot of pickup trucks that actually have a perfect spot for them okay. uh, to put them in there. But um, I think it's just a matter of putting them on, going to the area like that long snowy road that you're wanting to use them. And, and aiming, I think aiming is probably the, the, the most important part as opposed to position. I think on, on top of the truck, it just kind of gets it out of the way, uh, whereas if it's in the front. But Before we change subjects on lights, fog lights. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of misconception about fog lights. I'm not a, a auto guy by any means. I don't pretend to be. But uh, I do know you're not supposed to put on excess lights when there's fog. What are the fog lights? Yeah, for? I think the... <laughs> Yeah, I think given like with those light bars, they'll say they're for off-road use only. So it's definitely not something you can use on the street. Or flash the asshole uh, in front of you that's driving too slow. (laughs) (laughs) I just blind them, right? Get the Uh, fuck out of the way! (laughs) Well, I mean, hence the name fog lights. It really should only be used uh, during foggy weather. I think it's going to be uh, circumstantial to the police officer uh, pulling you over if you're driving with your fo- I've never had a situation <laughs> where you're driving down the street uh, on, a, on, a, on a you know in a city street and you have your fog lights on I think a lot of people will turn them on not even knowingly but um, fog lights are a great great asset um, not only do they work in fog and in rainy conditions I think they can work well in a blizzard uh, snowstorm type of condition as well I think they'll give you just a little bit more light for that road ahead of you it's important too, though. I, I know we all want to turn into John Force or whatever when we're on the, the the freeway or going down the road. We all want to get there. As you know, we want to be the next Marco Andretti. I think though, it's also just important just to be aware. Don't overdrive your driving capabilities, and I mean that not yeah. so much about you as a personal individual driver. I'm talking. Well, I guess I do mean that partially, but more so. Don't try and outpace your how far your lights are you know casting out if you can only yeah. see like you know 30 feet or 10 feet in front of you slow that's down probably a sign that it's time to dial back that you know pull a couple notches of timing out of that thing and uh, let's just pull it back here a little bit just so that you don't end up in a ditch um you see some people where it's like they are just beating the driving to beat the band and they're flowing along and next thing it's like i don't even know how their lights can see 
you know, where they are going, but somehow they, they've got it in the compass that they know they have to 30 degree bend in the road as it comes up. And I think like it's important just to remember that fog lights, no fog lights, high beam, low beam, whatever light you are driving with, just remember that don't be going so fast in conditions, period, that your lights are not able to project where you have to be steering or pointing that vehicle. Um, you see a lot of cases where people lose, not even lose control, but they, there's a bend in the road they had no idea and just come down to the lights were just not bright enough to adequately light up where they were driving. That's, I've even seen that in clear conditions or, you know, even, but yeah, we're going in the winter, so just be aware of it. you got to think, um, you know, you, you will get there. It's better to drive safely and not outpace what your lights are showing you. Or just do like what Tony was saying and practice with your e-brake in uh, the Walmart parking lot. They might make those bends with <laughs> low visibility better, but don't actually. <laughs> In, in the meantime, before you become that professional drift driver, make sure you uh, reduce your speed. I think I wanted to make the point is that point in the direction, point your steering wheel in the direction that you want to go. Yes. And and obviously, you know, let off the, you know, your, your your gas and such. But I think that's one of the first things that a lot of driving instructors or driving teachers or racing instructors will tell you is that always point your steering wheel in the direction you want to go and you'll go that way, one way or the other. That makes perfect sense. No, I was just going to quickly say is I think, again, do it in a, a safe, controlled environment. I'm not talking about going down. We're not going along Lawrence here for anyone that's in Toronto and uh, trying our, our drifting thing out or, or trying to do, like, you know, skid control. I'm just saying pick an area where it's a safe condition. Go out and, I say, test the limits of your vehicle. I don't mean as in drive it for everything it's got, but see what happens when you stab the brakes. Learn the vehicle, just like we would talk about in racing, learning the capabilities and, and how the vehicle will react upon, you know, a, a certain action. Well, if it's your first time maybe driving in Canada with our winters, or maybe it's your 15,000th time driving, you know, I always say to my dad, you know, go out there, dad, and just refresh your memory as to what it did last winter. Oh, you know, and, you know, go out and just apply the brakes and see, oh, yeah, that, that's how it's going to feel if I have to lock up the tire, you know, or I guess the big thing, though, is, guys, don't don't panic. Um, obviously, a lot of new vehicles have ABS, and it will prevent you from locking up and whatever. But as Tony said, you know, steer in the direction you want to go to. Don't panic. Don't, uh, oh, my God, I'm going into a skid, and next thing you know, you're going into a, into a ditch because you, you panicked and you didn't think. Well, like, um, drive according to the weather. Maybe pump your brakes instead of just trying to hammer it. And, and... Oh, no, no. I, and I obviously am an advocate of driving according to the weather. I just mean there is times I'm sure we've all been there where there's a little bit of black ice or there was something that we didn't foresee or we were in conversation. Next thing we're doing a little faster than we probably should be given the road conditions. I just mean I, I'm an advocate. I think the driving schools really need to have a good look at having a driving test where you are doing so in essentially like a controlled environment where the, you have to show you can handle a skid or you can handle this and that. Or even winter um, hydroplaning, like that is a nice, nice waker up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to see anyone get hurt though either, right? So just something to be aware of. Sorry. I like Wanted doing 360s on the 401. That always makes me feel good in the morning, especially 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> makes you feel like a legend when you get to work. Guys, is there anything else you'd like to add on to this bad boy before we cut her off? Um, I wanted to, hey, make sure you're checking your, your, your defog and your defrost systems. I think that's one of the first things, obviously, when you get into a car that, yeah, you know, reuse. Um, you know, when the, when the windows get fogged up, if, if they're not, you can't see out those windows, then, uh, then you're pretty much useless. So making sure that um, yeah, the frost and, and the rear windows, uh, the froster systems are working well. So that you can, yeah, obviously, you can see where you're going. 
I wanted to say like about um, having a good a winter um, emergency pack ready in your vehicle. You know, making sure that you have things like um, you know your, your cell phone, uh, a sweater, uh, a candle, um, candle for sure, um, a shovel. Uh, you, you know, things that, uh, you know, if you get into a jam that you can, you know, shovel your way out of it. Kitty litter, um, hot chocolate. <laughs> you, know, you know what though actually if um I, I don't know if you're aware of this tony or not but usually when you buy any dodge product they give you this kit for free as well as another pair of shoes and a puppy that you'll be walking <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and, a, and an uber membership is that what's going well, on well you get the free uber membership in your third year yes oh, oh before you head out folks make sure that you clean all the snow from your car clean it yes. from the roof Yes. Your vehicle, clean it from your windshield, clean it from your mirrors, clean it from your headlights. So you know you can you can see where you're going. Making sure that you got you, know, you got a nice fully charged uh, cell phone before you make your long trips, just in case you do run into an uh, emergency situation. One last thing: block heaters for those vehicles that do have them. I think any car sold in Canada has to have one. So uh, making sure that you. Yeah. Negative. No, no. I was just going to say it's it's actually an option now. It used to be a pretty standard thing, but now. I know at least with GM, like I had to order my vehicle specifically with a block heater. Oh, okay. So it is an optional. Yeah. Okay. It's an option now, but I, I, I recommend them. I use my block heater, especially in the winter. I think it, it's beneficial, but yeah, guys, make sure if you're not sure where a block heater is, Google it up or look in your manual to see if you a have one. And if you do, you'll see like it's a little, it'll plug into where a frost port plug yeah. would be on your engine block. And it'll have like a little cord that you would just either plug into a wall or plug it into an extension cord. But, um, the one thing I'll say there is, I know, speaking from my father's experience, make sure that you unplug the block heater before you go to drive away from the garage. It's almost like anyway. pulling a gas nozzle out of yeah. your gas uh, tank. Oh, minor <laughs> details, right? Yeah. Minor details. Yeah. You'll know when you have to stop at the side of the highway and just pull up the nozzle and leave it there for the guys to clean up from Miller. Uh, but <laughs> it's not even, a big deal. Even more so... Even more so important if you got a diesel vehicle. Diesel vehicles, you know, when they have glow plugs and such, they need to have those blocky plugs in or you're not going to be starting your vehicle that morning. So very important for those diesel guys. Absolutely. Super awesome. Once again, folks, you can find all our stuff at teespring.com or redbubble.com. We have shirts. We have underwear for <laughs> specifically just for MoFo. But for real, we have, uh, I think we actually have a pair of like a yoga pants for uh, the ladies if they're interested. Anyways, head over to teespring.com, pick up that stuff, show your support, show some love, comment, share. Mofo, thank you once again for jumping on the show. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Yeah, thank you again for having me, and uh, thank you to all the listeners out there, and thank you again for the continued support. Definitely. And Tony, I know that your name is Tony, but I'm calling you Tony the Maintenance yeah. Guy. I really appreciate your expertise and your time as well, and I hope that we can have you back on the show for a future maintenance uh, show, if you will. No, I appreciate it, guys. It's been fun. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. And folks, remember, always go deep. Go deep. Welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. You can find us on most forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also reach out to the cast, T.O. Big Show, Lord Fawn, Motorsports Mofo, Sturzy, Big Mikey, Astra Moon, and Sassy K. Thank you for your support, and remember, always go deep.